You know, for me, I, I grew up in the church, but to be honest, I never understood what my pastor was talking about. Can I get an amen? Yeah? No? You know, whenever he would, <laughs> whenever he would talk, um, it, seriously, it just felt like there's just sounds coming out of his mouth, right? And I just never could fully understand what he was saying. And I think a lot of it was because I didn't care to a point. And my parents, they, they were Christians, and they would talk to me about God, um, and I just didn't really care that much. But one thing happened where that indifference that I had slowly started to turn into animosity. Because for me, it got to the point where I would pray and I would do the steps that my pastor would say or that my parents would say, and nothing would happen. Nothing would change. And I would see all these other people, all my other friends, living lives of, of, that seemed so carefree, and yet here I was trying to do something, trying to be someone that I wasn't and that I couldn't hear from. And so for me, I just ended up starting to hate God because I hated searching for someone who seemed like they didn't want to be found. And so when I went to college, um, I left the church. I stopped going. Um, I ended up investing my time and my energy and everything else. But it was only later uh, that I realized that I was still searching for something. And the thing is, I just didn't know what that was. You see, church, in this passage here, the nation of Israel is divided. They were in exile. They were oppressed and in despair. And they thought it was because of all that had happened to them. They had to fight other nations, and so they were depleted in resources. They had droughts and, and famines, and so they were starving to death. And so they were hurt, and they were afraid. But you see, Jeremiah, who is this prophet of the Lord, he goes to them and says, look, you're not hurting because of any outside circumstance. You're hurting because your heart is searching for something. What does that mean? You see, we all have a desire to trust. In verse 7, it talks about a person that, that trusts in God is like a tree that has its roots in deep water. And in verse 5, it talks about a person who's turned away from God. And for a lot of us, we think, okay, so if you trust in God, that means you, you believe and you, you trust. And if you don't, then you don't trust and you don't believe. And, and yet, what we see is that both of these people, both the person who trusts in God and, both the, per and the person who doesn't trust in God, they are both trusting in something. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Blessed is the man who trusts in God. What this means is that the central characteristic of every human heart is trust. That the foundation of every heart is faith. And maybe for you in, in this generation, that's hard to believe that for everyone they have faith. But let me explain. The Pew Research Center, they, they say that for our generation, the fastest growing religion are those who don't believe in God. They're called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. 
And there's this disconnect, though, because people don't realize that believing that there is no God is actually a type of faith. Because, you see, they're choosing to believe that God doesn't exist. For atheists, their theology is that they have no theology. And for many of them, they will defend it just as much, if not more, than those who do believe in God. And you see, the reason why they believe is through faith. Because for them, not believing in God is also a leap of faith. And for them, it's a particular view of God, just like how we have a view of God. Blaise Pascal, who's this famous philosopher, he wrote that every person has a type of faith regarding God. And he said that, in fact, it is the greatest commitment that you are making in your life. Because if you believe in God, you can't prove it. But if you do believe in God, then it's the same thing. You can't prove it. And yet, everyone is betting their eternal destiny on that one fact. You see, the Bible is saying that everyone, everyone has a type of faith. And that all doubt, all mistrust, and all unbelief is still a type of faith there. When I stopped going to church, I didn't suddenly stop having faith. I just placed my faith in something else. And that was in school. That was in other things. That was in all these other things. For me, I just simply stopped believing in God. You know, for a lot of us, we think of our hearts as this calm lake. And that's what, that's what the world pushes to, that it's a type of meditation you need to do in order to calm yourself, in order to, to have peace within your heart. But you see, the Bible, it says something actually a lot different. It says that our hearts are, in fact, like turbulent seas, like a restless ocean. And that our hearts are constantly reaching for something. That there's this emptiness present within us that needs to be filled. And so if it's not being filled by God, it's going to be filled by something else. And so a lot of times, if we don't trust in God, we don't realize it, but we're trusting in something else. And that's what the Bible is trying to say. That's what Jeremiah is saying here. You see, blessed is the man who trusts in God. But you see, you who don't trust in God, you are still trusting in something else. And that's difficult because the human instinct for us isn't to trust in God. It's to trust in everything else but God. And, and he talks about this here. Because in verse 9 it says, the heart is deceitful and desperately sick. You see, the Bible says that we have faith, but we always put it in the wrong things. There's this image of a tree that Jeremiah talks about in verses 5 through 8. And when you think of a tree, what he's trying to say is that the roots, they go down into the soil. And, and what the roots end up doing is anchoring the tree. You see, the roots are vitally important because they give life to that tree. It provides everything that it needs. You see, church, the reason why he's bringing this up is because everybody... Everybody puts their roots down into something. 
If it's not God, then look, you're going to look to love. You're going to look to your family. You're going to look to something else, and it's in that thing that you will draw your significance and your purpose and your meaning in life. It's in those things that you will find your worth. And for a lot of us, we think that, man, look, sin is just all the bad stuff, all the, all the bad things. You know, back then, the people, they would worship idols. And these idols were, they were made out of wood and stone. You see, wood by itself is not bad. Of course not. Stone by itself is not bad. Church, idols by themselves are not sin. They're not bad. They are good things that lead you to sin. Look, a relationship is good. God created that. God created us to be together. He created marriage. And you know what? I loved growing up and watching that scene where Jerry Maguire walks into that living room with all these women and he looks at Renee Zellweger and he says, you complete me. I love that scene, right? It's just me, right? <laughs> but don't you see, church, how that is unsustainable, that that is the opposite of what God is trying to say. Because love is good. Being together is good. But when it's everything, the Bible says it's going to destroy you. It will collapse. Now, Pastor Danny, isn't, isn't that kind of an exaggeration? What do you mean? How would these good things really end up destroying me? Yes, that's not an exaggeration. And let me tell you why. Look, I, I, am, I am for the environment, right? I recycle, right? That's, that's about all I do. But, <laughs> but there's this uh, trend that's happening, right? And I... I try to do it, um, I just, but I just can't. I can't get behind it. Um, it's, the, it's the paper straws. Have you seen that? Have you tried it before? Uh, I don't know if you've done it. Uh, I've, I really have tried. But they have them at like those hip cafes, you know, like Starbucks or whatever. <laughs> uh, they have them at like those restaurants or whatever. And, and look, I, I applaud them and I say yes and amen to them. You're right, the environment's good. But I'm just like, give me a plastic straw. I just can't, I just can't do it. Um, because to be honest, I tried. I really, no, look, look, you guys. I've tried to do it, like multiple times, right? I tried doing it, and I've drank from them. But what, I, what happens, every, I don't know if my mouth is like particularly really hot or something like that, but they would start to, to melt. I don't know, like collapse within itself. And so I was try to drink more, and the more that I would suck, like, the more that it would collapse until my mouth is just filled with paper, and I would just be so upset and angry, you know? <laughs> Look, there's a point to this. The Bible says that if God is not the center, then whatever is in the center of your life will collapse. It says that. For us, we need to, because our hearts are made for God, because our hearts, there's an emptiness there that only God can truly fill. When we look to other sources, when we look to this world, we will continue to draw out more and more from that source. But it wasn't ever meant to sustain us. It wasn't ever meant to give us that joy and that peace and that happiness that we're looking for. And all it does is leave us empty. 
For me, I've been able to talk to so many people who are so successful, who have achieved that income bracket that they've been looking for, who have that job that they've always wanted, who've married that spouse that they've been chasing for so long. And yet for them, after I talk to them and they've achieved all those things, they're still looking for more. Haven't you met those people as well? Because it's always going to be true. People will never be satisfied because the things in this world are never meant to satisfy you. You see, in verse 6, it says that those who trust in everything else is like a shrub in the desert. Shrubs only grew in the rainy season. And the reason why they only grew in the rainy season is because the roots that they would, would come down would only be on the surface level. And so when it rained, yes, it would thrive. And yet during the dry season, in the desert, there's always dry seasons, they would die. It was inevitable. See, church, you can have the greatest marriage in the world, but no matter how great it is, one of you is going to die. And if your roots only go down as far as your spouse, then when your marriage begins to shake, your entire life is going to fall apart. Everything in this world is going to disappear. The one certainty in life is that bad things happen to everyone. And so if you live for the approval of others, you know what, it's never going to be enough. If you live for money, you know what, even if you have as much as you could have ever dreamed for, it's still not going to be enough. Jeremiah is talking to these people, and for them, they're finally realizing that their emptiness is a heart issue. And so they begin wondering what they need to do. And so he says in verse 14, he says, Jeremiah tells them to cry out this. He says, heal me and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved. He tells them to cry that out. A couple years ago, I was riding a bike with my friend and he was behind me. And I wanted to look back and, and talk to him, uh, but to be honest, I'm not very good at riding a bike, right? And so what, what I did was I, I turned to look back, and then I actually also well, turned the handles, and I ended up running into a wall, right? Um, and, and so what happened was that I ended up kind of getting a bruise and scraping uh, my arm there. It wasn't that bad. But you see, when I scraped my arm, I didn't all of a sudden begin to yell, someone, someone heal me, please, someone heal me. I didn't say that at all. No, I just took care of it myself. Why? Because I knew that I could do it. I knew that my body would be able to heal by itself. You see, church, the only reason why you would cry out, heal me, the only reason why you would desperately cry that out is because you know in the bottom of your heart, that you are going to die without intervention. And so there's nothing that you personally can do. There's nothing that you personally can ever do to help yourself. And so you're crying out to something, to someone to save you. If I had a bruise, if I had a scrape, sure, it's nothing. I can take care of it. 
But if I had cancer, if I had a tumor, of course I would cry out. Of course I would yell and I would scream and I would ask for someone to help me. This is what repentance is. It's not just simply asking for forgiveness. It's understanding that you need help, and the only person, the only person that can help you is God. And you see, the moment you realize that God can heal you, that's the moment that God will save you. It says here, save me, and I shall be saved. There's this assurance, there's this confidence that Jeremiah gives. See, verse 14 is such a beautiful verse. Heal me, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Church, why is he so confident? For us, we can't change on our own. And so for us, we deserve to live apart from God. And look, even when we try to live well, we always fall back into sin. And because God is a God who is holy, because God is a God who is just, and because we are sinful, we were meant to die. We were meant to live apart from God forever. And we were meant just to disappear. You see, death is, is so scary because it is meant for everyone and it is inevitable. But church, there was a man named Jesus Christ. And yes, he was a man, but he was also God. And you see, he spent his life on this earth with his roots in God, with his trust completely in the Lord. He trusted him without fail. And so that's why when we read, when we see his life, even in persecution, even in brokenness, even when the worst things happened to him, he was calm. He was at peace. He was joyful. He was completely fine. And yet what we see is that when he went on the cross, that when he was nailed to the cross and when he was dying on there, he was in so much pain that he would scream out in agony, God, why have you forsaken me? See, in that moment, God had turned away from him. And there was no grace there. Jesus, in that moment, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God, he died forsaken and forgotten. He died in complete agony. But you see, church, the reason he died was to take our place, because we were supposed to be up there. Because we were supposed to die. He died so that we wouldn't have to die. He died so that when we cry out to God and we ask for healing, that God listens and that he heals us. And he not only heals us, he saves us. And so for us, when we look at death, when we look at the worst thing in our lives, when we look at cancer, when we look at persecution, when we look at these things, we can stand and we can be at peace. Because we know that Jesus had taken those things and he was the one that died. And so for death, it's only a shadow. It's only a sting. 
And so church, the only thing in this world that will ever save you is having faith that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Because everything in this life is trying to grab you. But you see, everything in this life will never satisfy you. Your roots weren't meant to be planted in those things. Our hearts were meant for God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you see this world has no power over you. No tragedy, no heartache, no pain can ever destroy you. Death has no power over you because you see, brothers and sisters, Jesus died, but he defeated death because he rose after three days. And we have faith in that. We trust in Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, he wrote, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He was in prison and he was facing death in that moment and yet he was not shaken. Church, what, what is going on in your life? What are the things that are trying to draw your attention? Maybe for some of you, you've experienced a lot of failure. And maybe for some of you, you your life has really fallen apart. But I ask you in this moment, in this time, where are your roots? The only person that will ever give you true and everlasting satisfaction is Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray.